Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. A recent Gallup poll showed that Americans rank their families as the most important aspect of their lives. Today, John will give us some suggestions on how to strengthen our family relationships in his message, The Importance of Family. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of family. And when you hear that word family, A lot of different things can come up in our mind because there are so many different types of families. First of all, when we came into the world, we had our parents and maybe our siblings, and that was our family of origin. Then as we got a little bit older, we became aware of our extended family, our grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. And and then life goes on, and most people get married, and, and a lot of those who get married, I guess most people who get married, they have kids, and so that is their own family. They establish their own family, and then life goes by, and sometimes things happen. Sometimes a spouse will die. Maybe sometimes there's a divorce, and so now you have a single parent family where the you have a single mom, and she's raising the kids by herself, or you have a single dad, and he's raising uh, the kids like that. And then, of course, the blended family has become very common today when two families come together. I was reading last week that according to the United States Census Bureau, over half of American families now are blended families. And so I think we can remember the very first blended family back in the 1970s. I'll start the theme song, tell me if you know the show. Here's a story of a lovely lady who is bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them, their hair of gold like their mother, the youngest one in curls. And then the other part says it's a story of a man named Brady who was bringing up three boys of his own. They were four men living all together, yet they were all what? They were all alone. Till the one day when the lady met this fellow, they knew that it was much more than a hunch. This crew must somehow form a family. And that's the way they all became what? The Brady Bunch. And so it was a blended family, and they blended it together very well. You say, yeah, but they had Alice, the housekeeper, to help them to do that. And uh, that's who I'm looking to hire. I'm going to build a room on the back of my house and put Alice right back there. But that's the blended family. So when we think about families, today think about your family. Maybe it's a single-parent family. Maybe it's a blended family. Maybe it's a more of a, what we would call a traditional family. Who knows what type of family you're in today? But I know two things for sure about your family. Number one, God wants to bless your family. Do you believe that? Say amen. And number two, you have a responsibility. God wants to bless you, but you have a responsibility. Now, open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. And I want us to read three verses this morning to start with about the father of our faith, talking about family here, Father Abraham, and listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, beginning verse 1, about family. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so God said to Abraham, Abraham, 
I want you to leave where you are. I want you to leave, as it were, your family of origin. I want you to go to a place where I will show you this is what's going to be required for you to be obedient to me. And when you get to where I'm leading you and you do what I'm telling you to do, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. And that says to me that God wants to bless our families. Whatever the family dynamic may be today, God wants to bless your family right where you are. And yet, we have a responsibility. Now, as I was thinking about family last week and thinking about the time we would spend together this morning, I've divided the sermon under two major headings. First of all, I want us to start this morning by thinking about some suggestions for family relationships. Whatever the dynamic may be, I want to mention five things, just very briefly. I'm not going to spend much time on any of these, but just some suggestions on family relationships. And the first thing that I would say, whether you're a husband or a wife or a a father or a mother or whatever, wherever you are in family, the first thing that I would suggest you to do is to be present to be there with your family. Somebody has said that children don't spell uh, love, L-O-V-E. Children spell love, T-I-M-E, time. And so if we're with our families, that is a good thing. Let me give you a scripture verse. In Psalm 46, in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. One of the things we all love and appreciate about God is that He is with us. He is a present God. He's not a distant Father. He is a very present Heavenly Father in our lives. And so God is our example for everything. And so just like God is present in our lives, we should be present in the lives of our family members as much as we can. I was thinking about my own father this past week on this particular point about all the things through the years that he has done. I think the one thing I would say about dad above and beyond anything else, he has always been present. He has always been there. Sometimes he has been too present. He has been there too much. But he has always been a present father. I'll say this about my dad. He has all, when we were young, when Joel and I were coming up as kids and as teenagers, he took being a father more seriously than he took being a pastor. Let me maybe say that a better way. In his mind, being a father was more important than being a pastor. And as kids growing up in a pastor's home, sometimes you hear preacher's kids talk about, oh, my dad neglected me. He was always at the church, and he was never there for us. And, and that's a sad thing, but that's not my and my brother's testimony. Dad was always there for us. I can remember when we got to be about 13 or 14 years old, my dad said to us one day, he said, well, guys, you're getting older, and uh, he said, it's going to be time soon for you to get a job. You're going to have to work. Well, when you're 13, 14 years old, you don't want to work so much, and so we said, I don't know about it. He said, well, you don't have to work, but if you don't work, you're not going to have any money, and you'll never have a car. And so we said, well, maybe we ought to think about working. And we knew that for us, we, whatever job we did, we couldn't work on Sunday, And we knew we couldn't work on Wednesday night. Those were church times. But he said to us, you can work wherever you want to work. You can work at McDonald's. You can haul hay. Joel and I, though, decided that we would get a job. We would start a little business mowing yards. And so we bought two lawnmowers, an edger, and a weed eater, and all the things that you need to mow yards. And we were mowing yards all over Hopkins County. Well, anytime we mowed our yard, of course, Dad was always out there helping us with that. And there were times through the years when we would get behind on our yard mowing. Maybe it would rain during the week. We were expected to mow yards like if it was during the school year. 
when it, school got out or ball practice got out, if it was still daylight, if you needed to go mow a yard, you go mow a yard. And then Saturday, you just spent the whole day mowing yards. Well, I can remember this one time in particular that it had gotten, we had a lot of rain, and so we were going to be mowing probably twice as many yards on that Saturday as normal. And so my dad said, he said, guys, tomorrow I'm going to help you all mow these yards. Y'all can, you can mow, I'll edge, we'd eat, have we split it up, I'm going to go out there and help you. And so we went to all these houses, and Dad was mowing yards. In fact, one, this is probably my favorite picture, one of them, of me and my dad growing up. This is our yard mowing career. I want you to look at this picture right here. There we are right there. <laughs> and and uh, he has not approved this sermon, by the way, any of this. He's not approved any of this. But that was us. And there was a lady in our church, and I can remember she said this to my dad after that. She said, Dr. Edmund, or uh, she said it while we were there mowing the yard. She said, I just don't feel right about the pastor of my church mowing my yard. And he just kind of laughed and, you know, kept mowing or whatever. But what she didn't understand in his mind it was, he wasn't the pastor mowing her yard. He was our father. And so he was present. He was there with us. A second picture I want to show you in just a second. And I know I live way, much, way too much in the past. And I talk too much about when I played football in high school. And I got to get over it. I got to grow up. I got to move on. But I can remember one night we were playing a game. And, and uh, back in those days, he used to sit in. He and my mom had two tickets on the 50-yard line. And he used to listen to the game on the radio while he was watching the games. He could hear the radio and watch the game. And one night, I don't remember who we were playing, but it had been a tough first half, and we had come out for the third quarter, and I mean, it had been a rough game, and he came out of the stands, down to the sidelines, to encourage me to get ready for the second half and don't give up. This is my other favorite picture from my childhood. I want to show you. There's my dad right there. (laughs) And you can tell with the look on my face that we were in a street fight, and we were losing that fight that night. But Dad came out of this thing. You can see he'd give me that speech, man. You've got to get out there. You've got to play hard. The game's not over. And so I look back on my life, and I'm so thankful that he has been present, and he has been there for us growing up. So whatever your relationship, be present. Be there for your family. The number two thing I would say, not only be present, but be patient. Be patient. Let me give you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse number 4. It's describing love, and it says this, love is patient. Say that with me. Love is patient. When I'm officiating a wedding, I always try to remember, and sometimes I forget, but I try to remember to say to the bride and the groom, listen, you two are coming together tonight to to get married, to become husband and wife. And the best advice I can give to you, or some of the best advice, is to be patient with each other. Because you're not perfect individuals. And so when you come together to get married, you're not going to be perfect in marriage either. And just be patient and just cut each other some slack. And don't expect uh, too much. I mean, you know, don't put the expectations so high. Just, I'll just encourage all of us in our relationships to be patient with each other because none of us is perfect. Not a one of us in here. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know it's going to come as a surprise to you, but I'm not perfect. Tell them that today. We're not. And I know you said back, no kidding, mister. No kidding on that. But we just have to be patient. Listen, nobody is always at their best. I'm not. No, nobody has a great day every day. Nobody is always hitting on all cylinders. Nobody is always in a good mood. Nobody. Jesus is the only person. Nobody is always kind. 
Nobody is always thoughtful. Nobody is always more considerate about other people's needs than they are their own. Nobody's like that. We're selfish sometimes. We're in a bad mood. Sometimes we have a headache. Sometimes we don't sleep well. And so we have to just be patient. And I think the thing I would say here, just cut each other some slack and, and know that, hey, God's still working on all of us. We're works in progress. It's true individually, and it's true in our family relationship. So just be patient. The, fourth, the third thing I would say is be positive. And I want to read two scripture verses here. In Ephesians 4.29, when I say positive now, I'm talking about with your words, with what you say to each other. It's so easy to pull people down with our words. But listen to this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And so with our words, we want to build up. We want to encourage. We want to make people, uh, you know, we want to encourage people, not discourage people. And then another verse in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. I love this verse. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And so as we interact with one another, as we talk with one another, it is very important that we be positive. The Bible says in Proverbs that reckless words pierce like a sword. If we're not careful, we can get angry and we can say something in anger that can just wound a person for for years, for decades. Some people probably never get over it in their whole life. For example, here's a parent and their child, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid, is not doing right, not making good grades in school, not doing how he ought to live his life. And so the parent has had a bad day at work, stressed out over money, feels overwhelmed by life. The kid comes in and does something and does break some family rule. And so the parent, out of anger, says to that child, you'll never amount to anything. You're just one big failure. You're a dud in life. Well, I mean, if a parent says that to a kid... The kids look into the parent for the, as the role model, as the leader. The kid certainly wants the affirmation of both parents. Parent says, you're never going to amount to anything. That could stay with that kid for many years. Or in a marriage relationship, husband and wife, get up, one of them gets upset. They both get upset. And one of them says to the other one, I hate you. I wish I never would have met you. Those words, those are reckless words, and they pierce like a sword. Those words are not seasoned with salt. Those words are not filled with grace. Those words don't edify. Those words don't uh, build up. So I would encourage you, be, be careful with our words, but be very, uh, try to be very positive. And remember when I was coming up, my mom used to say to me, John, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And I wish I could stand here and say that I've always abided by that principle. But I haven't. I mean, I've said things I shouldn't have said too. But we need to really work at this and take this very seriously. So I encourage you to be positive and be careful with, uh, uh, with what you say. Somebody has said that we should make our words sweet because one day we may have to eat them. Have you noticed that? Sometimes words come back around. And so make your words sweet. Be careful what you say. Think before you speak. Don't speak and then think about what you said. We've probably all done that. But think and then speak. Count to ten if that helps you. And then say something. But just pause before you say something, especially if you're frustrated or stressed out or angry. Don't speak without thinking because you may pierce somebody in a way that could take them years and years to work through. The fourth piece of advice I would give is to be practical. 
in relationships. Relationships are very fragile. They're very, they're very, uh, can be very, uh, I think fragile is a good word, but we need to be practical in our relationships. You say, well, John, what do you mean by being practical? Well, first of all, don't expect more than is reasonable. I would never encourage you to lower your standards, but maybe sometimes we need to lower our expectations. Sometimes we expect more of people than people can really give. I mean, we expect, we expect more of people than we expect of ourselves. We expect them to always be kind, to always be exactly what we need. Well, that's not reasonable. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 12. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now listen to this. Which is your reasonable service. Now, I know that verse is talking about living a pure, holy, godly life so that our bodies could be an instrument of praise and worship to God, and that's the reasonable thing to do. But there's another aspect of this verse. It says, which is your reasonable service, which says to me that God is a reasonable God. God's reasonable. And so God would say to us in our relationships, be, be reasonable. Don't expect more than is reasonable out of another person. It's putting unnecessary pressure on the marriage, on the family relationship. Just don't do it that way. And another thing I would say, don't try to do more than you can. I think a lot of families feel peer pressure. We, we think about peer pressure as something you, we felt when we were in high school. Well, I think peer pressure can be with us for our whole lives. And I think sometimes here's a family and they've got two or three kids and they look around at other families with a couple of kids and they think, man, these families are taking their kids to Disney World and to Maui and to California. And these families are doing all these things with their kids and the parents think, well, I just can't do that. I don't have the resources to take all these vacations. Well, then don't do it. Don't, don't try to do more than you can. As I said to you, children spell love, T-I-M-E. It's, it's not where you go. It's not what you do. It's that you do that together. Those pictures I showed you of me and my dad, we were mowing yards. I mean, we were at a ball game. I mean, though, when I look back over my life, yes, we took trips, vacations, we went places, and I thank God for those memories. But to me, the, the best memories are the things we did that didn't cost any money. It was just the fact that we were together as a family and, and we were having a good time. So don't try to do more than you can. And, and the other thing I would say is talking about being practical. I think this helps us look at our family relationships differently. Don't assume that you'll have your family forever. You know, I think sometimes we just assume the family we have, it's always going to be this way. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was telling me a story about Dr. James Dobson, who was the founder of Focus on the Family, and, and uh, he still has a great ministry for the family. But Dr. Dobson grew up in a pastor's home. In fact, his father pastored. Uh, in Sulphur Springs or in that area years and years ago. But anyway, when James Dobson was growing up, he said that one Thanksgiving, the family was together, of course. They were having Thanksgiving lunch. And his dad was praying the prayer before they ate. And in that prayer, Pastor Dobson said, Father, I thank you today that we can be together as a family. I thank you, God, for Thanksgiving and all this means. And God, he said, as much as we treasure these times together as a family, we know they can't last forever. Now, that's what James Dobson's father prayed. And James Dobson says, even as a young boy, when his dad said, Lord, we know this can't last forever, he said it was like a sword just pierced his heart. And he thought, well, why can't it last forever? 
Because he had always thought that it would last forever. I guess what I'm saying on this point is, don't take your family relationships for granted. Don't assume that they'll always be there. Uh, treasure the... Uh, we have these... What, what does the song say? We have these moments to hold in our hand. And, uh, and I can't remember the rest of the song, but it's a really good song about, uh, about treasuring, uh, treasuring these moments. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come. But we have these moments today. And so just be, a, be, a, be grateful for the family that you still have left. Many of us, we have family that have already moved on to heaven, and we miss them. But, hey, we still have somebody left in our lives. Hopefully, a lot of somebody's left in our lives. Don't take them for granted. Be thankful for them. And uh, treat, treat that person today as though today may be your last day with that person. And I think that's all part of being practical. And then the next thing I would say when it comes to relationships, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. In re- hey, relationships are sticky. There's stress. There's things going on. There's, sometimes there are outside forces that put pressure on the relationship, and it can just make us all uptight. And so sometimes we have to work to be a peacemaker. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. And then in Romans chapter 12 in verse 18, Paul said, as much as possible, or he said, if if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. And so the Bible puts a premium on being a peacemaker, on if there's a rift in a relationship, the Bible says, hey, do everything within your power to make that right. If you've been rude, apologize. If you've done something wrong, ask for forgiveness. Try, try to be a peacemaker. Even if you didn't, try your best to be a peacemaker. But remember, sometimes you can't make peace. And that's why Paul said, if it is possible, it's not always possible. As much as depends on you. Sometimes it doesn't depend on you. One thing I've learned about God is this. God holds us responsible for everything that we can control in relationships. Whatever the relationship is, God holds us responsible for everything we can control. And that puts, a, that puts a lot of responsibility on us. But God doesn't hold us responsible for anything that is out of our control. See, God's reasonable. And it wouldn't be reasonable of God to hold a person responsible for something they can't control. And so God holds us responsible for what we can control. And so if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Be a peacemaker. We have a couple in our church named Jerry and Terry Rame. And they just celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary. And five years ago, on their 50th anniversary, they called me and said, John, we want to have a little ceremony where we renew our vows. 50 years is a big deal, and we want to renew our vows. And they said, would you be willing one day to come up to the chapel and and just renew those vows for us? I said, absolutely. And so I I did it. But before we had the ceremony, I, I met with them, and I said, 50 years, I said, is there anything special, a scripture verse you want me to use when we renew the vows? And we talked about all that. I said, 50 years of marriage. I said, that's, a, that's great. That's amazing. I said, is there a secret that you've, I know God's blessed you with a long life, and, and you know, you've loved God and all that, but is there anything really practical that you've done that have helped you to stay married for 50 years? And one of them spoke up and said, well, John, there's one thing we did on our wedding day, a decision we made. And one of them said, you know, the verse in Ephesians that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I said, yes, that's a great verse. She said, and I think it was, uh, I think it was Terry who said this, said, we decided on our wedding day that we would never go to bed mad. Fifty years ago, we decided that. 
And I said, That's, I said, have you kept that commitment for 50 years? And one of them spoke up and said, yes, we have, but there have been a lot of nights we stayed up late. <laughs> stayed up half the night. Maybe never did go to sleep, but they kept at it. They kept working through it. And so be a peacemaker. And just, again, on that peacemaking deal, the thing I want to say here, do everything that you can do for there to be peace in a relationship. And most of the time, it'll work, and there will be peace. On some rare exceptions, when it just doesn't work out, you know what? You did your part. You did what God required of you, and God will give you a peace in your heart about that, that you've done all that, that, he, that He's asked. We hope that today's message on the importance of family has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message, along with many others, on the web at www.peacebybelieving.org. While you're there, also drop us a line by clicking on the Contact Us tab to let us know that you're listening. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.